It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Introducing Built to Last, a new podcast by American Express. I'm Elaine Welteroth, and I'm excited to host the debut season where we will be deep diving into the stories, history, and continued legacy of small businesses that shape American culture. Through these important conversations, we'll hear how the Black business leaders of our past have inspired today's Black-owned small businesses and communities. Join us for the debut season of Built to Last on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. It is the Lockdown Bengals Podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. Welcome on in, Bengals fans, for the next episode of Lockdown Bengals with Jake and Joe. As always, we start with a little bit of news around the NFL. Kareem Hunt signed a $1 million deal with the Cleveland Browns yesterday, giving them a third running back and a pretty talented running back stable if they all stick around. Of course, he goes back. He was drafted by John Dorsey. Joe, do we have many thoughts on this? He's going to probably be suspended for a pretty sizable amount of time. I think when they do this, it's because both sides trust each other. As far as you, I guess, as much as you can in this situation, right? Uh, but you're right, because of Dorsey and Hunt having previous relationship, uh, he needs a clean year of not getting in trouble and then maybe have a little production towards the end of the year and he could get himself back in line to having a successful career again. Uh, otherwise, I'm not sure he had many opportunities out there. If you're taking a one-year deal at a place that knows you, then... You know, he probably didn't have too many options. So I for me, I more look at it from the Bengals versus the Browns perspective of I expect the Browns to be better than the Bengals. I don't think that's unfair to say at this point. And if the Browns are competing for a playoff spot in, that, in those final six weeks, it makes sense. You can't predict injuries. And while, yes, that gives them three good running backs, they, they went in last year doing the same thing. It was uh, Isaiah Crowell instead, and they ended up trading them halfway through the year at the trade deadline. So maybe we see a similar scenario, and I don't think it's Nick Chubb, uh, and it definitely wouldn't be Hunt at that point because he wouldn't have played, but maybe Duke Johnson is the guy that gets traded. And if from a Bengals perspective, he's kind of the guy I'm more scared of because of his ability to flex out, run routes, and really hurt the Bengals linebackers. And if it is Duke Johnson, then they will have traded him most likely before Kareem Hunt has come off that injury. So we'll have to see how that plays out in Cleveland. Uh, speaking of character, someone on Twitter today, and I don't remember who the quote was, but they said, defensive coordinators aren't kept up at night by character. They're kept up by talent. And this is talking more about Antonio Brown than Kareem Hunt. So Antonio Brown, of course, today has said, I want out of Pittsburgh. Goodbye, Pittsburgh. Thank you for everything. Of course, Pittsburgh would have to eat $20 million plus in dead cap if they yeah, were to trade bad. Antonio Brown. I don't I don't know if that's going to happen. Antonio Brown obviously wants out. 
But at what cost to the Steelers? Will they be willing to do it? Are we going to have another holdout situation? I mean, I think like you, Joe, I'm happy not to see him on the field. The Bengals did a lot to take him away. But there's a lot in the air. Yeah, and because of the cap situation, it seems like it's not going to happen. I wonder if there's a way for him to sign a new deal and and change that up a bit. Uh, There's got to be an out that's not going to completely kill the Steelers, even though I'm not against that, having them, you know, if they get hit with a $20 million cap hit, that sounds great. And they trade him. That's, that's the best of both worlds from our perspective, but it doesn't seem likely that that's the route that will end up taking place. So uh, I just think it's here we are, the Steelers. I feel like the window is closing for them because of quarterback age. Right. And so you lose Le'Veon Bell all year last year. And and while John Connor was good, you got nothing for Bell for that. And if anything, you got more turmoil in that locker room that obviously couldn't handle it. Now you have Antonio Brown not showing up for the last game, walking out saying he's, you know, he orchestrated his own goodbye videos today on social media. That's normally from the team type of thing. He's just saying he's out of here. And it sounds like from the team perspective that they're saying, well, you know, it's kind of hard to trade you. So, I wonder where the Steelers stand right now with you kind of let the players run that locker room and now you've let some players run amok and you expect another team now to give you good value for this player. I don't think it's going to happen. I I wouldn't be surprised if we're sitting here. Remember, Chad Johnson was a year older, um, wasn't as productive as Antonio Brown, but he fetched a fifth-round pick a year later in his career. I wouldn't be surprised if Brown is – we're talking second, third, fourth round, maybe a multitude of picks, but I definitely don't think the the Steelers are going to come out of this in any sort of happy place. All of, all of the teams in the AFC North, maybe ex- excusing Baltimore, have had their share of turmoil in this offseason for some reason or another. And maybe, maybe you let the Browns off the hook too and you say, oh, they paid a million dollars to a running back who will probably be suspended. Maybe he doesn't play. Who knows? It's a low risk, but they're inviting the attention for sure. And and they have done it before with Antonio Callaway too, right? So, yep. you know, they're, they're, we're starting to see these habits forming around the AFC North where it's not just the Bengals anymore, guys. But again, what really comes down to for these football teams is is do they win football games? And that that's the focus. Uh, speaking that of is... winning football games, the Bengals did interview Todd Grantham today. We haven't heard anything else about that at the time of this recording, but... In case you missed the news, there's that news. And Joe, you did a really interesting survey last night that got a lot of answers, actually, about what the Bengals need. Yeah, I did position by position. Started with quarterback, because that made sense, even though I think people were expecting me to just be stoking the fire on the quarterback discussion. But I was planning to go through every position, and I did. And over 27,000 votes, which is awesome. But turns out the top needs... And while I did linebacker a bit different, I expected linebacker and and right tackle to win. And right tackle, 97% of people said, yes, it's a need. Uh, I put for linebacker, though, I said, do they need one or two linebackers? And the results were 21% said one linebacker. 79% said they need two starting linebackers. From there, the next highest were interior offensive line. 84% said that's a need. 83% said tight end is a need. So there's your top four right there with right tackle, linebacker, interior O-line, and tight end. The fifth highest need, or or with at least the highest percentage of fans that agreed that it's a need, um, was quarterback at 72%. Followed by now what seems to be 
about where I expect expect the average or most people to vote was cornerback at 61%, interior defensive line at 53%, edge defender at 41% agreed it's a need, wide receiver 40% agreed it's a need. I actually think wide receiver is a little bit bigger than that because I just don't want to see Alex Erickson and Cody Core and Josh Malone playing unless one of those guys takes an unexpected leap in development. Uh, safety at 33% of the core positions, fans feel the strongest about safety. And I, I would agree. I like Sean Williams. I think Jesse Bates had a fantastic rookie year. I think the combination of those two is is promising. I think Clayton Vegelum is, is a special team standout, but also uh, can play when needed. And I think there's still some upside with him. I think Brandon Wilson is an interesting guy, sixth round pick going into his third year out of Houston, who played some running back, played some corner, played some safety coming out. Tested very well. Last year, towards the end of the year, when the Bengals started playing more dime defense, Wilson played more of that safety linebacker role that I thought Sean Williams or Clayton Fedlin would be more cut out for. But Wilson was the guy that was getting flexed out to cover running backs and tight ends um, wide. And I don't think he did a great job, but it's interesting that they used him in that way and found a role for him. And then finally, I asked kicker, punter, put them together, and 53% said it's a need. And I think most of that comes from um, wanting a kicker with a stronger leg. It was interesting. When I voted on the tackle, it was unanimous at that point. Around 180 votes, I think, it was still unanimous, which is pretty pretty wild to see 180 votes on Twitter for the same thing on a Twitter poll. I agree with the safety thing being the lowest need. Uh, in fact, today, Pro Football Focus po- posted an article about the players they want to see more of in 2019 and Clayton Fedulin was one of them. Christian Westerman, we would expect to be one of them. He was also on the list, but Clayton Fedulin graded out very well in coverage uh, with pro football focus. You might remember week one, he had that big force fumble, right? Yeah. And, that and I like a... Fedulin. I, I think Fedulin um, was a tick late sometimes in coverage, but I think he's a good athlete and is a fantastic tackler, hitter, willing to run defender. And that's what you want at strong safety. That's right. So we've talked about what your followers think are the Bengals needs, and we'll touch on that a little bit more in the second segment when we start to get into what a rebuilding plan might look like in Cincinnati and and how does a rebuilding plan change your mindset when you're evaluating needs for the Bengals. This is Ross Jackson from Locked on Saints. This podcast is brought to you by Carvana. In the age of online retailers, buying a car should be no different. And that's why Carvana invented a brand new way for you to buy a car that's 100% online. Without leaving the comfort of your couch, you can browse and buy from their selection of almost 20,000 cars. And once you've made the purchase, your car comes to you, delivered right to your door, or you can go and pick it up from one of the coin-operated car vending machines. All of Carvana's cars come with a seven-day return policy, ensuring that you get a car that fits perfectly with your life. Not happy? Exchange it or return it for a full refund. And with its dedication to customer service, it's why hundreds of thousands of customers have ditched the dealership and given Carvana 4.7 stars in customer satisfaction. So check it out, the nation's fastest growing auto retailer at Carvana.com, C-A-R-V-A-N-A.com, Carvana.com. Hey, what's happening? It's your boy Q, host of the Locked On Raiders podcast. And I hope you guys feasted on the MyBookie Turkey Day free play that allowed users to grab themselves a risk-free bet up to $250. It was basically a free shot at trying to double your money. If you didn't get in on that, what are you doing? 
No, but seriously, now is the time to get some skin in the game with my bookie, where odds boost, lightning deals, and free bets await all season long. And with the NFL playoffs right around the corner, we know who these teams are. We know what they're capable of, and it's not difficult to find some value in the lines. Whether you're a first-time customer or have been playing with my bookie for years, there is no shortage of value to be found in the thousands of game lines, unique prop bets, and contests that they offer every week. Sign up or get reloaded today. Find an edge, make your bet, and get paid. They also boast a fully-fledged casino platform, giving you access to all the classic table, slot, and card games you'd expect to find at your local spot. And the best part is, at MyBookie, the doors never close, so you can continue to build your bankroll even after the stadium lights have gone out. Make the right play and sign up today at MyBookie. And when you do, use promo code LOCKEDON to get your deposit match halfway all the way up to 1000 bucks. The terms are simple. You put in $200, they'll match you with another $100 in your account. If you were already planning to bet this season, this is free betting money. It's winning season at MyBookie, so come join in on the fun and win some cash while you're at it. Welcome back, Bengals fans. This is the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Yesterday we talked, what would the plan be if the Bengals viewed this roster and this team as a opportunity to win now or build in order to win in 2019 Uh, and we laid that out and we think it's relatively doable but I think Jake and I agree it's equally as likely that they view this as a doesn't have to be a lengthy rebuild but definitely on that path of we need to reset at a lot of positions add talent in a lot of positions get younger at a lot of areas and anytime you have a new coaching staff come in I feel that's pretty normal around the league to purge a good section of the roster and bring in the new coaches, ideal players at a lot of positions. So I think we're in, we should be aware of that path. And and I think we're going to look at it and how it changes. Now, if we're looking at this team in a rebuild mode, how does that change the needs? How does that change free agency? And how does that change the draft? Jake, your thoughts? Yeah, it changes all those things a whole lot. And there are questions about what happens before we get to those points. Are they going to trade any of their assets, any of their star core players right now that they don't think are part of that next window in two years? I know we disagree about this, or maybe we disagree about this, but maybe we start with with AJ Green. This is their most valuable asset. He does have a little bit of injury history going on in the last few years. He is going to be 31 this year. He's got one year left on his deal. But if they trade him, and this is a big if, obviously, it would be uh, $3 million of dead cap, but they would save a lot of money against the cap. If you look at some recent receiver trades, Amari Cooper fetched a first-round pick. Golden Tate got a third-rounder. Demarius Thomas got a fourth-rounder. Martavis Bryant, the third-rounder. Brandon Cooks got a first-rounder twice. Uh... You question how much you're going to get for A.J. Green just because of the injuries and the age. But he is in that cream of the crop. You might be able to get a first-round pick for for him from a team. And it's a question of which team that is. Uh, Joe, you said off-air you wouldn't, you wouldn't do it. Let's talk about your rationale. Yeah, I wouldn't do it. First reason is, is because I don't believe he'd fetch a premium pick. I think at this point... He'd probably be in the Golden Tate, Demarius Thomas, maybe a little bit above them. Uh, and those guys got mid-round picks for a half a year of service. You get a full year. So maybe we're talking second rounder for A.J. Green. And on one hand, I say that I don't think the Bengals would take that at all. 
I think they value him much higher than that. I think we value him much higher than that. So now we're we have to question: Would we concede here for value or for returns and resources on a rebuild? And I think that's what you do. It's kind of a fire sale normally in those situations. So you know, getting comfortable with that idea is part of the maybe even step one of the process of rebuilding. So if we can get past that, now I look at it like, okay, yes, he's been hurt. Um, They've invested at wide receiver. Tyler Boyd is on the verge of being a number one type receiver for them. Even though he's a slot guy, I think a lot of offenses run through the slot guy. So he could end up being your number one guy in terms of targets. Uh, If John Ross, ninth pick, going into year three, if he can take even one more small step, he becomes probably a solid number two or number three guy. But he's a solid starter at that point if he can take another step. Uh, And from there, do you need an aging number one type guy on the outside. And I don't know that you do. I don't know that that's a need, but I do think I want him in a rebuild scenario that involves drafting a new franchise quarterback. For me, if I'm drafting a franchise guy and I expect him to succeed and succeed early, like a lot of these guys have, you know, you expect to be in the playoffs year two. So when we're saying rebuild, if the draft is this year, taking a quarterback or it's next year, you expect by year two for that window to be open again. There's a very good chance A.J. Green's 31, 32, and still a very productive receiver uh, into that part of his career. And if that's the case, I want Green, Boyd, and Ross to help usher in that guy. I think the other part of it is you reach out to Green, you say you have one year left. Where do you feel your value is? Because you have been injured, because you are older, because you may be the number two guy going forward. Um, If he's uncomfortable with those things, then you are more open to trading him because you need to get value with one year left on his deal. If he's open to it and staying here and being a productive member of this team, even though his his role could be reduced and you can find a cap number that works for both of you, I'm 100% for it and still building around that quarterback for those reasons. The other part is you kind of got to be sure you can re-sign Tyler Boyd probably first before A.J. Green. So it's kind of you would do it at the same time, and the Bengals have done this at receiver and at defensive end uh, before, where they say, okay, Tyler Boyd, A.J. Green, this is our number. We, Who wants the deal first? And then from there, you, you approach the other guy. So I think they could be in that scenario. My first plan would be to keep Green, though. Yeah, and I think you outline all of the considerations pretty thoroughly there. I'm in favor of keeping Green around if he can be part of that transition, if he's going to take a team-friendly deal, maybe a one-year deal like we talked about, and he'll help usher in the next class. But at that point, he is a 32-year-old receiver in the NFL, and he does have a bit of an injury history. And I love A.J. Green. He's one of my favorite players on the Cincinnati Bengals, and I would like to see him stay. I'd like to see him win in Cincinnati. But I think his priorities are going to be, I want to win. I want to maximize what's left in my NFL career. And so we'd have to see, would he be comfortable staying in Cincinnati for a diminished salary, for a diminished role on a shorter deal with the risks that come around being injured in the NFL and, and you know, you never know when your last game is going to be. That being and I'd said, love, I was going to say, I'd love to trade AJ Green to a team where he can win and win now and produce in the playoffs. Because I do believe uh, without that postseason type of production where he takes over a game in the spotlight the way Larry Fitzgerald did at this, you know, similar point in his career. Um, he's not going to be a Hall of Fame player until he does that. I, I think production and being in Cincinnati is only worth so much. If you traded him to the Patriots and he made a run in the next two years, 
he'd have a great chance of, of being remembered all time. And I, I want that for him because I believe he's that type of player. And when you talk about where you might find a first round return, one of the teams that actually came to mind for me was the New England Patriots if Tom Brady doesn't retire. Right, because they are have a closing window, right? And they need to maximize that and keep that window open as much as possible. They've, I, I would think of it as them going and getting Randy Moss at his point of his career and what A.J. Green could do. I could see them do it. And, and they, they were the ones that traded for Chad Johnson. It was a fifth-round pick, but... You know, saying them taking out a veteran receiver like that, it's definitely not beneath them. They've done it a few times, Randy Moss and Chad, both. And Randy obviously worked out a lot better. So some other considerations here are, do they trade Dalton? What's the return we expect for Dalton? He would have $0 of dead cap money. You would save $16.2 million against the cap. And if you're drafting a quarterback number one, that's what, a savings of $12 million going into the... Next year, uh, just looking at some comparables, Teddy Bridgewater got a third, Tyrod Taylor got a third, Jimmy Garoppolo got a second. He was young and cheap, of course, at the time. He's signed a big deal since then. Sam Bradford, twice, uh, returned some pretty good value in a second and fourth and a, and a Nick Foles, and a first and a fourth when he was traded away from Philly after they picked Carson Wentz. So, Did you say Alex Smith? He was a third in Kendall Fuller. Alex Smith was my next. Yeah, he got two second rounders once, and he got Kendall Fuller and a third rounder when he was traded from Kansas City. So That's right. There, there are a couple guys there, and I think Alex Smith might be the closest. Dalton's paid a little bit less than Alex Smith. And, you know, similar, similar skill set. Alex Smith had a really good year, I think, before he was traded to Washington, and he was older. So maybe you get a second, but more likely I think you're looking at maybe a third, maybe a third plus. Yeah, I think a third and a variable pick, depending on his health, because he has been injured two out of the last four years with that thumb. Um, and if he can remain healthy, let's say he, I would put it under like, you make the playoffs and we want back a second. So you get a third and a second or a third and a third, whatever the case may be. I would want a decent, you know, top one or top day two pick, I would say, um, in return if that was the case. If you make the playoffs with Andy Dalton, you know, pay us back. And I think that team would be open to doing something like that. But that means you're getting a third round pick. Now I would also be open if this is a rebuild to not even getting a pick for Andy Dalton in 2019. And if you say it's completely a variable pick based on his play for 2020, that's the draft I'd be targeting quarterback. Anyways, I'd want all the assets for that year to move up and be in position to take my guy um, so I'd be completely open to that. And you're making a bet as a, we know what Andy Dalton can do. We know the baseline. If he gets in the right situation, you can definitely go to the playoffs with the right team with him. And if you trade him and he does that and he brings you back a high second round pick because of it, or it wouldn't be high because they made the playoffs, but a second round pick because of it, I'm hundred percent for that idea. And then the question is, are they going quarterback this year? Or are they going quarterback next year? And if it's not this year, then you're just, you're tanking. And maybe that's one way to approach a rebuild is with one tank here in there. And if you're doing that as a Bengals ownership, as the Bengals fans, you have to ask, are you going to really tank for a year when you've just brought in a new head coach? Is that fair to ask of Zach Taylor? I think when you look at the Dolphins, they're the most interesting comparable this year for the Bengals. They're also going with a new staff. They're going with a little more experience, even though a lot of guys don't have big names. Um, they have guys that have won and, and coached in the NFL and have Super Bowl rings and championships. They also are making no 
buts about it, they're tanking this year. I mean, everything you hear from the GM and ownership and the beat writers and even the coaches, some of their comments that have been diagnosed, they know they have a complete reset button this year, and they're going to get in position to draft Tua or Herbert in, in, in next year's draft, and uh, I think that's a great plan. And I, I don't think the Bengals are bold enough to do that. If they were, I would commend it completely. I, I think of it as this, and I do this with my kids all the time, and I'll say, you can have one marshmallow right now, and you can you can eat this marshmallow, do whatever you want with it, or you can wait whatever the time period is for them. I usually say it's like 10 minutes, but in this case, it may be a year. You wait a year and you can have two marshmallows. Now marshmallows aren't worth much, but you get the point. You can wait and have more or you can go for it this year. And I think there's, you can either, I'm not saying the two, two marshmallows are better because that year of waiting and the randomness that is in the NFL draft, you could draft a Duke, uh, Duke quarterback, Daniel Jones at 11 and he ends up being a good player and you're fine this year. But the idea of saving that capital and spending it next year to go get a guy that's probably around the league considered a much better prospect, um, That I can go for that. And that's at least a plan, and that's something they haven't had in a while. And our current plan is to go to break, and when we come back, we're going to talk now how it affects the offseason in terms of free agency, you're signing your own players, and then how do you attack the draft when you're in a rebuild mode? Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Dell Technologies. At CDWG, we get that migrating your agency to a hyper-converged infrastructure is challenging. Like me switching to decaf. Gotta do it, don't wanna do it, but gotta do it. Whoa, slow down, friend. CDWG's experts can help simplify your transition from legacy to hyper-converged infrastructure with Dell EMC solutions that offer speed and agility. Do it, do it. Have you done it? Is it done yet? Why isn't it done yet? IT orchestration by CDWG. People who get it. Find out more at cdwg.com slash Dell EMC. Support for this podcast comes from The First One with DJ Khaled, a new podcast only available on Amazon Music. What's up, y'all? This is DJ Khaled, and this is The First One. We hear from all the A-list music stars like J Balvin, Nas, and Kelly Rowland about songs that didn't change the game, but changed their life. It's almost like sometimes before you even get in the industry, it's like you set up to fail. And there's so many moments where you can win. And the winning is great, but it's so many things that you go through to get to the win. And so much more who tell their stories about the first hits that took them to the next level, changed their life, overlooked to being overbooked. When I was recording the song, I already knew it was going to be a global hit. And I'm not joking, my G. I really felt it inside of me. I was like, I just can't wait to see a number one. Join me every Thursday with the first one drops only on Amazon Music. Let's go. Welcome back to the Lockdown Bengals podcast as we wrap up talking about the rebuild plan. So for rebuilding, Joe, we're talking about building around Joe Mixon, Tyler Boyd, John Ross, Carl Lawson, Sam Hubbard, maybe Jordan Willis. Andrew Billings is only 22. In the secondary, we'll have William Jackson, Jesse Bates, Sean Williams around. So maybe maybe Nick Vigil's around in this next window. Maybe Ryan Glasgow's around in the next window. We're probably looking at a new QB this year, next year, because Dalton, Atkins, Green, Dre, Dunlap, Bowling, they're all either almost 30 or older than 30. So if they are part of that next window, it'll just be for the beginning of it maybe, and maybe they're the veteran leadership that ushers in some of that next era. 
But then we have needs all over the place. Quarterback, wide receiver, tight end, offensive line, linebacker, uh, defensive tackle, corner. These are all things that we talked about in your Twitter survey. That's a lot of needs. It is a lot of needs. And that's what makes you start to believe, well, they can't possibly address all of these in one year. And I think even if someone asked me this today, what would be the over under on the Bengals win total if for, for 2019? And I said, even if they draft a right tackle and linebacker in the first two rounds, it's probably still at six because of the last three years and then bringing in Zach Taylor. Um, and if that's the case, you got, you start to realize this is a two year project. And even though they may have 11 picks this year, you don't expect free agency to be a huge source of incoming talent. It never has been for the Bengals. I would love it to be. I would love if they went out in March and they start, you know, signing Quan Alexander at 24 years old at linebacker because that can be a long-term thing. I'm, I wouldn't scoff at that at all. But I, I think realistically, when you start to look at the needs for the next two years, they pile up pretty quickly. They're already, there's, it's already extensive this year. I think when you add in um, the future core of this team, you start to see it's, it's not as great as I expected. And, and you know, we talked a little off air, too. And when you put Joe Mixon in there two years from now, he, he, he as a second rounder, that's a four-year deal. You have to make a decision uh, at one of your best players. And the one spot where everyone said is not a need right now uh, at running back because of Joe Mixon, 7% of people said it's a need. Because of that, it may be a need now in two years. So looking at it, uh, it's hard to really do that and, and think this team um, is as close as we l- would like to believe. But I think you can make moves and still keep a 2020 target date. And I think one of them in- includes going into free agency and targeting some of these young first-time guys that are dipping into that second contract for the first time. So they're 24, 25, 26 years old and extending them that offer of being here now four or five years is what it usually gets in the open market and those signings can be for the future i uh, think of the bears trading for khalil mack is a win now move but it's also because they, now they've got him for five years and that core for the for chicago is going to lean on khalil mack for the next five years um, i'm not saying you go out and get Jadavian Clowney, but i wouldn't be against it either so uh, at the same time i think you look at your own free agents for the Bengals and say Darquez Denard at 27 years old, is he part of the foundation going forward? And when I think of it that way, I'm not so sure I need to keep him. But if it's a win now mode, like we talked about in yesterday's podcast, I'm all for keeping Darquez Denard because I don't want to have a, a new hole at nickel corner. Uh, and I think the same goes for a linebacker. I, I have no need for Vontez Perfect in that scenario, but I consider Preston Brown on a one year again, $4 million maybe because he was injured Cheap deal where I'm still drafting a guy. I'm still trying to replace him actively, as I kind of think they were last year, uh, even though they were unsuccessful in doing so. You look at the free agents they have, and I, it probably goes the same with Bobby Hart. It probably goes the same with even some of the exclusive guys or the, the lower-end guys and Trey Hopkins and, and Alex Redman. Uh, and you wonder, are they part of your future, or are you just signing them as depth guys? Because when you're in a rebuild situation – those depth signings don't really matter. It's more of you want those draft picks, you want them in here, and you want to see if you have anything. Yeah, and it would take a different approach, I think, than we've seen from the Bengals in the past. And that's where you start to talk about some of those guys looking for their second contract in unrestricted free agency. And 
the only way that I think those happen for the Bengals is if the Bengals have a different mindset that is, we're signing you to be part of our foundation for our future. So the only way I think you get the Bengals to consider Grady Jarrett's, C.J. Mosley's, the tackles that we talked about, Trent Brown, Donovan Smith, Jawan James, Daryl Williams, maybe Mitch Morse at center. The only way we get those guys in the building, we only, the only way we get those guys into Katie Brown, uh, sorry, Katie Blackburn's head is is if we sell them as part of the future foundation. So maybe, maybe if we see one of those splashy signings for the first time, it's because we're seeing a shift in approach from the Bengals. So this is where once we get into that free agency in early March, maybe we'll see what they're thinking about in terms of who they're re-signing, of course, and, and what free agents are targeting if their MO changes at all in free agency. Yeah, and I, I always go back to the Rams and how they – rebuilt that roster very quickly from Jeff Fisher to Sean McVay, and they were supported heavily. I don't think Sean McVay McVay has the same success. I guarantee he doesn't have the same success. If that Rams front office doesn't support him with veteran acquisitions, and that's something the Bengals traditionally haven't done, and while some of them are mostly win now, I mean, I think signing old Andrew Whitworth and Jonathan Sullivan and and Dominican Sue are definitely win now. I think trading for a young Marcus Peters makes sense. While Peters didn't have a great year, uh, I think those are win-now plus foundation moves. Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, uh, those are foundation going forward type of moves for them. And I, I strongly feel the Bengals could be in that range of, and I love the way you said that, the way to get them in the building is to sell them as, listen, we're not just signing this right tackle for this year because we really need a right tackle. We're signing him because... He's 25 years old. He's a quality player, and he's going to be there for our next quarterback and next core of young players that are going to lead us in our next Super Bowl window and playoff opportunity. And I think that's how you have to approach it if you're the Bengals front office and you're looking at a rebuild is you need to use free agency to get the guys, to to get the veterans who can usher in that next era with your young guys that you're going to bring in. Because it used to be said, and we're far removed from this now, around 2012 yeah, 2012 is when the Bengals were young. They had a young, exciting core. And that's you know that was a repeated mantra in Cincinnati for so many years, and that's not the case anymore. That core is still the core, but they're aged veterans now. And now we have a new core, those guys I talked about when we came out of the break, and those are the guys we're building around. So Yeah, it, and it's a much different team when you focus on that new core than you do with the old core. I think we still, a lot of fans are still one hand on that, 2011 class of Dalton Green bowling um, and even 12 and 13 the guys that remain from there but the truth is our hands are really should be on 16 and 17 and that's the group we've got to move around and when you just focus on that group um, and 18 I should say but when you focus on that group it shines the team in a much different light and it gets a little bit scary too because then you don't have okay I can run this defense through Carlos Dunlap through Geno Atkins right So a rebuild is scary, Bengals fans, but that is what it might start to look like. So if that's what you're after, if you're ready to move on from Andy Dalton in this current core, you need to prepare yourselves for what that might feel like. And and it could be an emotional process because it could could mean some of your favorite players are also part of that rebuild. And it could mean you're losing in 2019. And I know that this team has lost for three years in a, in a row and expectations were a little bit higher than maybe they should have been. But 
it's not uncommon for that this transition period to take a full year. And that doesn't, you know, that doesn't mean it, it's going to be the 90s again. I think that's what a lot of people are afraid of. It could also mean in 2020 you come out with a better opportunity to win than you've had in the last three or four years at that point. And because of that, that's what makes it worth it. So it may be bumpy to get there. It may mean some sacrifices, but if they made the right hire at coach, if they make make the right selection at quarterback, whoever the next guy is going to be, we'll forget all about this one year or two year that it takes to get to that point. Yeah, that's right. When's the last time you went into a season expecting the Bengals to lose? For me, it was probably Andy Dalton's rookie season. Yes, that's probably right. Really that's expecting fair. them to lose? Yeah, you're right. I yeah. would say so. And every year after that was like, well, maybe they win 10 or 9. Even in years you didn't think the roster was so good in 16, 17, 18, I thought, oh, there's a chance if they stay healthy, if if everything goes right, if they manage it correctly, if they can get this going. Um, I thought every year they could compete for the playoffs. I didn't feel like they'd make a long run. But, yes, I agree. It's been a long time since – and then before that was probably the first year of Marvin. I think every time this team has hit a reboot or a reset, especially at quarterback or right before quarterback, yeah, that's you know that's funny to think of because we're on the verge of potentially taking a new quarterback and we're feeling the same way now. Which, you know, to wax poetic a little bit here, says something about the Marvin Lewis era in Cincinnati and that culture change that happened after the 90s. So hopefully Zach Taylor keeps that going. And we maintain a culture of winning football in Cincinnati. That's it for the rebuild plan. Joe, what's on the docket tomorrow? We are going to draft superheroes. And we're going to draft them to round out a football team. Or at least start a football team because we're not going to go 50 rounds or anything like that. And I guess we'll talk Bengals. All right. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to having you all back here. Remember... Mailbag weekend is coming up and we're recording that episode on Thursday. So make sure you get all of our, all of your questions into us uh, for, for Thursday's episode. If you want us to give them an answer on the pod, that's been locked on Bengals. We'll be back tomorrow. Bengals fans. Have a good one. Did you watch the 2020 Reds with higher expectations than a first round wild card exit of epic proportions? Did you think that, the Reds hitting would come around with the signings that they made last offseason. Are you wondering who is asking you all of these questions? Hi, my name is Jeff Carr, and I host the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Throughout the offseason, I'm going to take a look at these Reds, how they fix what didn't work in 2020, and how they continue their success in 2021. But wait, there's more. I'll also have interesting interviews with players, writers, and everyone in between talking about the Cincinnati Reds. Come join me on the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day.